Pelotero Pickle episode 40. We got some big news with the Hit Tracks partnership. We're talking about misuse of technology and hitter development. Being careful with how you praise people. Hard 90s. Don't do it. And Albert Pools, is he a Dodger now? We'll find out. Pelotero Pickle. Chris is in Florida. So this is going to come out on Tuesday. So that means Monday. Uh, we had a pretty big announcement tomorrow that will be happening, <laughs> even though we're talking about it Tuesday on Sunday. Uh, so partnership with Hit Tracks. This has been in development for quite a while. Uh, pretty excited about it. If, if you haven't heard about what it is yet, we have a partnership with HitTracks. We have software that we've built and we integrated with HitTracks. So we have a guided HitTracks experience. First step is an assessment. So you go through a 70 swing process, takes 15, 20 minutes at most. Uh, we score it immediately, process it, tell you what you need to work on, and then click a button and you build a program that's just fully customized to you based off the data. This is like real data-driven stuff, not like we write numbers down and then we look at them and then figure out what to do. This is like the numbers are scored, automa- it's, it's an automated process. So pretty excited about it. <clears throat> and then you can do the programs, you can print them out or look at them online, but then you can actually do the programs on tracks. And this is the thing I'm most excited about. So you can do the programs on tracks, and each drill will have a parameter or multiple parameters that you will follow. So let's say we got a kid who's just trying to yank everything. He's hooking balls to the pull side. We're going to give him drills to hit the ball the opposite field. And if you don't, you get a thumbs down, literally a red thumbs down. And if you hit the ball at the right direction, at the right launch angle, at the right exit velocity, uh, you get thumbs up. And the thing that I think is just phenomenal is when, when kids do the program, and I'm talking from eight years old through college players, the behavior changes immediately. It, they just start making changes. They, they get feedback. It's stuff that we would tell them if we're in the cage with them. Hey, you got around that one or you got under that one. Stay on top, stay through, whatever. And they get the feedback and they make the adjustments and they make swing changes because of the goal of the outcome. So it's pretty exciting. I'm, I'm really excited to have a tool available to thousands of people that can potentially help tens of, tens of thousands of hitters, hundred thousands of hitters, million hitters. Like this tool can have really broad reach and that's pretty amazing. I think the most important thing is it's about hitting. I don't think most of the world is talking about hitting anymore. I think everybody's talking about metricing and hitting the ball harder and farther. And those things are great, but like, you gotta learn how to hit. We keep talking about it. And I mean, let's let data teach, teach us how to hit, man. Like, let's let data teach hitters to be better. I think, you know, I've talked to, I've talked to so many people in the last couple months and people are talking about how the, the game is, is, you know, changing at the highest level and how it's not fun anymore, how it's not good. And then talking about the shifts and all the rule changes, like there've been, you know, we've talked about the proposed rule changes over the last 10 years and people are like offense down, offense is down. And that's kind of like, okay, but across the board it's down because there's not as many good hitters. Like if, if hitting was as hard as people are making it out to be, would guys be hitting 330 anymore or 380 or 370 or whatever it is? Like, so there are hitters that are getting it done, which means like you can still hit these guys. It's just, I think maybe you're chasing the wrong carrot. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe. No, that's a good point because you got like the, 
the Yerman Mercedes of the world and the Mike Trouts of the world, uh, the Ronald Acuna's of the world, they're hitting, you know, if we, I'm going to pull up the list right now. So there's 23 guys hitting over 300 right now in the big leagues. I bet there's a bunch of guys hitting under three, under 200. Yuck. 14 guys that are qualified under, under 200 right now. And I bet you you're going to love my most underrated player today. Okay. I look forward to it. That's post show. You're, you're getting ahead of yourself a little bit. Yeah, I know, but I'm excited. So what you were just talking about with, with what our product does, it teaches hitting. It's a perfect segue into a tweet that went some, somewhat viral, had a, had a lot of action anyway. So the head coach of Princeton University, a wicked smack guy, um, tweeted out, quote, hit tracks is an incredible tool. Sorry, that's not what he wrote at all. Hit tracks is incredible technology. I've been working on the website too long. Let's start over. Quote, hit tracks is incredible technology, basically a video game, exclamation point. Similar to pitching velocity, we are not interested in what your max exit velocity or projected distance is. These numbers are usually produced by overswinging in a batting cage. Data from a game type swing is useful. So, end quote. So I agree with them and I disagree with them. So this is one of the things that I'm most curious about. Like the Jeff Fry's of the world. I want Jeff Fry to build a program template for us. And it's going to be like, what, ground balls in second base, line drives up the middle. I want him to build a program template and see how it turns out. I think it would be hilarious. Um, it's, it's just funny because he's right and he's wrong because kids do get in the cage and I'm sure he goes to events and he just walk, watches kids just swing out of their shoes, trying to post a number. He's like, yeah, okay. Like I've seen videos on major, like the most major recruiting websites of kids that are literally like leg kicking, turning their back to the pitcher, winding up for five seconds, actual time, five seconds to take a swing. It's not reasonable at all. So I get what he's saying. Um, but hit tracks and technology are like, it's all about how you use it. And I did reply to him asking if they have a hit tracks at Princeton. He did not reply. So we'll never know. Or we can ask Mike. Well, Let's just ask Mike. Or ask the owner. Listen, I, I, I've always said this, and I, I feel like I'm crazy every time I think it or say it out loud. It's so crappy to make blanket statements about things right? It's so brutal. If you're making a blanket statement, you're part of the problem, no matter what. If, and no offense, Jeff Fry, or offense, whatever, I don't care. Like, it's not just your way or the highway, dude. And I get it. I agree with you that there are too many kids that are worried about the numbers, but there are some kids that are learning through numbers. There are some kids that are getting better through numbers. There are some kids that are now literally being, they're able to to recognize things that they couldn't have before. And it just really all depends on your learning style. So anybody in the industry that's saying it's one way is you're part of the problem. Uh, and you're, you think you're, you know, you're standing on your soapbox and you're whatever you're, you're doing it for the, the love of the game or for the history of the game. Well, beat it. Like the game's changed, dude. Like kids learn through cell phones. Like let's learn how to communicate with them too. And I have no problem with it, man. Like tech, tech is not going anywhere. We've said this a billion times. Data is not going anywhere. So we might as well figure out how to leverage it to make the best we can out of it, to make the best players we can. And I think that's the main disservice is people don't know how to use the data because the easy answer is to go, 
harder and farther, right? The easy answer is to look at hit tracks and say, oh, my max exit velocity. And like, yeah, that's a cool thing to have as a benchmark to be able to say, okay, the guy next to me is hitting at 99 or 100. I need to get to that point if I want to be good. And we've said that a billion times. You want to play Division One college baseball, you better hit the ball 95 miles an hour at some point. I don't know when it is. I don't know if it's when you're 12. It, it, but it doesn't have to be the only thing you go chase, right? But there, you have to be thinking about building certain things. And the problem is we're not helping kids identify, identify their weaknesses early enough and what things they should be working on because now everybody's just trying to go harder, harder, harder. If you're 110, like, you're done. Like, stop. Become a better hitter, right? Like, Let me ask you this question. So in the, in the context of, like, recruiting and – uh, professional baseball, even I feel like it doesn't become a tool unless you can do it routinely. So like, if you have to swing out of your shoes to hit a ball 95, it's not a tool. It's, it's your ceiling. Like you have to make your normal, that benchmark. And then once you check that box, you have to just do it consistently and become a better hitter because the, uh, yeah, the, the name of the game is not, let's see how hard I can hit the ball. You, the best hitters hit the ball hard because they're capable of hitting the ball hard not because they're up there swinging with the intent to just hit it to the moon every time. The funny thing is nothing's changed in the last hundred years, right? There, there was never a time where hitting the ball hard was bad, right? There was never a, t- a time where the guy that hit it hardest didn't get the most oohs and ahs, right? Happy Gilmore came out in 1996, maybe. It's the amazing golf ball whacker guy. That guy went no tournaments till he learned, happy, learn how to cut. <laughs> like, you got to do it all, man. Like, you got to be able to do everything to be a great hitter. And the game is about consistency play golf you play 18 holes nobody's ever gotten paid for their best pitch nobody's ever gotten paid for their best swing you're not gonna get recruited because your best swing and oh by the way if you do you end up on the bench if you only make that good swing one out of every 10 times like i I don't understand how we we've devalued consistency and the ability to change and make adjustments and like the, the 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 key to becoming a great hitter is the ability to do a little bit of everything and the only way i think you're really going to do that as a player at a young age is if you just get really accountable for yourself. And I think that's the thing that I've noticed the most with, with Pelotero and, and, and what's on hit tracks now is the fact that we're forcing kids into accountability, into self-accountability. Like, right, we all, we all try to help kids get better. And I, I've gone through so many battles with myself mentally about how many kids I've ruined, right? Like, did I say the wrong thing? Did I do the wrong thing? Did I tell them too much? Did I tell them too little? Like, and I go back and forth all the time. Like there, and there's nobody that, that wears it more than I do when one of the, one of the people that I'm close with struggle. If, I, if, if one of our guys or, or girls goes one for 20 on a weekend, I, I'm trying to think of how I could have helped that not happen, right? And the only way it can not happen, let's, let's face it, everybody's going to go one for 20 at some point. But the only way you can teach yourself to have it not happen is A, to experience it, and B, have ways to make it stop. Right. And you have to have your own. And if I tell you mine, or that's great. They can be like a, a guideline or a, you know, start threading the needle, whatever you want to call it. Take the horse to water. Can't make you drink. You got to drink yourself. Yeah. So to summarize that topic, I think the question on the, on the show notes here, number one piece of advice for 12 year old hitters. Uh, I think how you develop your routines is so important. Like what you care about is so important, What you, strive to be is so important. So yeah, like get bigger, get stronger, hit the ball hard, but the routines that are going to carry you, the, the consistency that you are as a hitter is going to define you. Learn how to pay attention. 
And that's, I think it's so, it it was probably way easier for us as kids to have to know what we were doing on the field at all times. Right. I I would say. Well, we didn't have somebody taking a phone out and showing us what we were doing. We had to feel it. We had to, we had to figure it out. Speaking of that, when I was working out with the college guys before I came down here, every one of them needed to have video on them at some point during practice. It's just practice. And I, I was like, I don't, I was like, I don't want any video. And, and I, you know, people have talked like the whole paralysis analysis, paralysis by analysis, right? Like how, when, like when, at what point, like at what point, at what point do we hit diminishing returns? Right. At what point is it too much? And if you're in search of perfect in a game that doesn't offer it very often, it can be it can be very damaging, right? Trying to take the perfect swing. There's no such thing. Like people ask me who's got the best swing in baseball. I'm like the guy that's hitting the best. Whoever's hitting the best has the best swing, right? Like, and like and and when you look up, usually that's why guys that hit 330 hit 330, right? And you know, say what you will about the guys like Miguel Cabrera and Albert Pujols that have gotten older, and probably are, are just. You know they're not they, they don't recognize themselves or they're a little bit less motivated or whatever it is but those guys did it for 10 12 15 years right at the highest level and there's a reason why you know people are sad to see what happened to albert you know what i mean like because it's a legend like the goat the goat i heard uh do you want to talk about that you want to talk about albert now you're jumping down a little bit but we can talk about it yeah let's go out of order you know why because nobody else knows the order except us it's like we uh, we always joke around about that when we put the kids to bed. Like we, we try to put them down at seven thirty, but like they don't know if it's seven twenty. They can't read the clock. Oh. So you just throw them to bed. Like all right, we're done for the day. You go to bed. It's bedtime. It's funny. But Albert, so Albert Pools, Albert Pools, Dodgers. Is he in uniform today? Was he in uniform today? Is I this official? I didn't hear it get officialized. I saw unofficial. Report. I saw rumors. Yeah. Last night. I think it's a weird. Like, how does that roster make sense for him? Well, I mean, because Muncie will move to third or second or whatever. And I always forget the Muncie can just – that whole team can play wherever they want. What is that? That's crazy. Yeah, but, that, I mean, they're, they're also – like, they're not as deep as position players. Like, uh, the Rios kid got hurt. He was coming off the bench. Bellinger's out. Uh, Seager just got hurt last night. Seager got hurt. So, they're actually playing Lux at shortstop, I think, right? Will they move Taylor to short? Because Ballinger will come back. Taylor will go back to the infield. But Albert, Albert, I mean, look, it's good he's on a National League team, so it'll be more pinch hits, and I think he'll play against lefties. I was, they said his splits against lefties are still good. Now, I'll tell you what, I, I hate the whole lefty-righty argument, and a guy like that who's been used to playing his whole life probably would needs more consistent at-bats to feel like he's can be locked in against lefties. But – if he really embraces the role, like give him an opportunity to go win another World Series. I guess he's he's like he's like thirty something home runs, thirty three homers away from seven hundred. It's I I said when he was when he got DFA'd, like him and not a red uniform is going to be really strange. I think like I still picture him in a Cardinals uniform. I I, I never transitioned to the Angels pools. I understand he wanted to, you know, he wanted to max out that deal or whatever. I'm sure Anaheim, like if St. Louis was close, he probably would have stayed, but he could have stayed a Cardinal for a long, long time. Should have probably stayed a Cardinal for a long, long time. Well, they they signed, who'd they have? They had uh, super low hands. What was his name? Alan Craig was, uh, had the great playoff run, then he kind of tailed off. 
he had mm. he had a, a year or two that were really solid and uh i want to look up his numbers because he he, he was kind of the reason then they had uh, matt adams he hit i want to say uh, correct me if i'm wrong he hit 321 one year Alan Craig, and he also wore number 21 he might have hit 330 something but he was really good uh yeah matt adams is coming up behind that they had one mark hamilton former Three, 315 307 then 315 and then it just dropped off. So he never hit as high as me. You know why? Because I hit 321 in the show. So. How many games did you play that year? 100. So you went 307 with 22 and 119. And 100? 119 games. Oh. Yeah, so he had 19 more games. He had seven more homers. And he had 92 RBI. It's pretty good. 92 RBI and 119 is... 92 stakes is nice. But my hundred, my hundred games, I think, probably eight pinch hits that year. So really, ninety-two. I'm sure he had his fair share too. But they also had Matt Adams, who was putting up monster numbers. He wasn't there yet, and Craig played a lot of right field too. Adams was coming up strong. He made his debut in twelve, got consistent playing time in thirteen, fourteen. Otherwise known as a D butt, I think we should call it a D butt. Okay. It's something you would do. But Adams, you know, look up his minor league numbers. He hit. He's a good hitter. He had one year that he went off. And also Mark Hamilton was there. Mark Hamilton was there. But he like, he got stuck because he was, he was stuck behind pools. He came up once when pools reached and broke his wrist and like pools turned into Wolverine and healed in like five days. Yeah. Um, they tried to play him in the outfield a little bit too. It was uh. He actually turned in an okay outfielder. Yeah. So, Pools, go ahead. Are we, are we ever going to have a better episode than the last week? Last week was good. Last week was very good. I think more guests are, are – right. We should – or we just have Mike on like every every few episodes. Or, yeah, he could take over my spot. Because he could talk. He's a talker. Yeah. And that's a compliment. I enjoy his company. He's funny. He's I, think I'll, I think I'll go get a, get a 2015 Toronto Blue Jays. Yeah, next week. Let's do it. Uh, next topic. Be careful of your praise. So Jerry Weinstein, who is going to be down there, you might or may not get to hang out with him. Um, one of my favorite Twitter follows. He gets like awesome engagement. He has 52,000 followers now. So he's he's got the, the numbers up there. Um talking about the Cedric Mullins hustle triple. So it's against the Red Sox. He had like the, the flare pop-up with the shift on. So the, the pop-up was, he's a lefty, super fast. Ball like over the third baseman's head, short left field. Bogart's running, just booking it over. Like does this like dive, bobble, deflection of the ball. And uh, Mullins got all the way to third. And I thought the, the play was funny because – and I couldn't remember the third baseman. Who's the Red Sox third baseman? Lefty, Devers. Rafael Devers. Devers. When I was thinking about that play earlier the other day, I couldn't remember his name. And it just happened again. He picked up the ball and looked a second. And the guy was already running a third. <laughs> That's awesome. But the point that, uh, that Jerry made is that this shouldn't be a big deal. Everybody was all hyped up about this. And he's like, yeah, this, this is a routine play. He ran hard. What's the big deal? Um, and I get that. I think – most players in the big leagues, I don't know if most, a lot of players in the big leagues make the business business decision to not run hard and just kind of cruise. Maybe if it drops, they'll cruise in the second base, but they're not going to push for third. 
I don't know what the score was in that game. Do you know? Do you know what the situation was exactly? I do not. Um, I don't know if I would like it more in a close game or if it wasn't a close game. And he's just going, just balls to the wall, just all out for no reason. <laughs> uh, but if it's a close game, I get it. If it's not a close game, if that's just who you are as a player, I get it. Um, I'm a huge, like, anti-hard 90 guy. I hate hard 90s because you should just run hard every single time. Like, if the guy on first catches it and the umpire's already called you out, then you can slow down. But otherwise, like you should run hard. So, like, why are you celebrating something that's normal? There's always a line, right? There's always a line to be drawn. And I think this is where it gets a little bit lost in translation, right? If you hit a routine ground ball and you're a sub four or five runner in the big leagues, like, you're probably out, right? If the guy catches it clean. Well, yeah. So, that, like, a lot of guys just can't make it there. Like, if, if Billy Hamilton did it, because he's the fastest man alive. If Billy Hamilton just like cruised in the second base and chilled, that'd be like a disservice and a disgrace to his speed. Well, yeah. So, I mean, it's about leveraging the tools that you have, right? Cedric Mullins is a burner. So I, I think there's a line, right? And, I, and I, I, don't, I don't think hustle plays need praise, but I think they should be highlighted more just so we get a true understanding of the fact that they still happen. I, I just, obviously I don't think they get enough attention. Um, I agree with Jerry completely that that guy should be thinking about third base every time and he should be getting on third base if he can. And, and I, you know, again, I don't know if it's necessarily an across the board type of thing. Um, and I don't know if it's a generational thing. Like I, I, I don't really know, but I know that guys in the big leagues are certainly not running as hard when a ground ball gets hit. Now, uh, revert back to 2005, 2006 Worcester tomatoes. And uh, we were incentivized to every time we hit a pop-up, if we got on second base and the ball fell, we got 50 bucks. Now probably shouldn't need that incentive, but it's a nice little sweetener to remind you, Hey, like just run. And what happens when you run consistently all the time is you put pressure on other teams and, and you see it all the time. You see it in college baseball a lot. You would see it in the pros still. Like if you put pressure on the other guy to have to like, you know, have a little bit more urgency to make a play, like there's a better chance he throws it away. Now, again, in the big leagues in game 62, you know, if you're, you know, played 61 out of 62 and your legs are a little sore, like you hit a ground ball back to the pitcher, like, okay, like run it like 70%. But I, I think there's a line that you can get to as a, as a base runner that like you're running hard, but you're not going to blow out. Right. And I think that's part of like what people worry about now. They're like, Oh, this guy's going to blow out if he runs that hard. I'm like, are you though? Like, do we know that? And, and again, I think the whole com we had the conversation about the Tatis hustle play in spring training back when, and it's like, why are we so worried about like trying to predict the future about guys blowing out? Like I just got down here and our first day on the field, we we're like, Hey, don't let's not go to go too hard. I'm like, I'm ready to go, man. Like it's May. Like, let's go. Let's go. Just play. Like, know your own body. Stay under control. You know, if you feel like things are getting a little tight back there, like, maybe pump the brakes a little bit. You know, whatever. Just have more awareness. Have more feel. That's what it always comes back to. Feel. Yeah. I Yeah. It's, uh, if you have a chance to make a play, then go. If right. it's important right. to the game, then go. Um, I I always played the game hard. I never really knew what it was like take a playoff. So it's weird for me when 
Like, I don't, I don't know if I ever like gave myself the only time Getty, uh, Rich Gammon got mad at me one time. I lined out to first base and the guy caught it. And I was standing in the batter's box when he caught the ball. Like I was, hadn't finished following through and he caught it and I didn't run. And he, he was mad at me because I didn't touch first base. I'm like, Rich, we're in the third base dugout. There's a lot of foul territory here. Like you want me to run? All, I'm already out. You want me to run all the way over there and run all the way back? It and, was like a symbol. It was a, like it's, it's I a, know. But like and and look I, again. I think I thought that was absurd. I got in trouble one time for it too because I lined out the left and I was standing in the box. But it it was meant to like prove a point to the rest of the league. It was meant to prove a point to ourselves. And like those things are those things are like symbols, man. They're like they're like things that define teams and can bring people together. And, and most people are like, oh, what are you talking about? Like, it, it, it's like a representation. It's a, the way you do anything is the way you do everything, right? And it, I, I don't, I want people to be consistent. I want, just want you to be consistent, man, like with, with the way you go about it. Like, you don't have to give me 110 on every sprint because then like Trez's guy, when he was at LIE Brooklyn, he, he pulled both hamstrings when he was running down the first base. <laughs> and, both uh, at the same, the same play, he both same both play. and it was a play in which he beat out a ground ball or he at least drove a run in on a ground ball in the infield and he high-fived the first base coach as he was pulling both hamstrings <laughs> running through first. have you seen the move that kids are doing now where they fake a hamstring pull like they hit a triple they fake a hamstring pull and then just get on third base and twerk have you seen that yet no it's a thing now instagram it it's a it's something there's, there's a play, some kid, like a young kid, he looked like, like this is like 10U baseball. He like cruised into home, turned his back to the backstop and just started like twerking on, on home plate. A lot of things are a thing. And I, I just saw one today. I was, I, I ended up on a little. Uh, so you're part of the problem, Bobby. What's it called? The, the discover the page? You want, I'm going to have to find it now just for you. Bring you. those views up. You hit like, subscribe share refresh and i know i very rarely end up on the explore page unless ferber sends us something and then i end up on a rabbit hole because it it auto pushes up if you watch it um and the other day i got on there and i saw bo bichette feeling the ground ball in a suite so i bookmarked it i'm a big bookmark guy uh but yeah it was this kid like hit a base loaded triple cruising the third fake the hamstring pull and then just <laughs> working up their face all right uh, Let's get back to rational conversation. What do you got on Kelnick? Speaking of hustling, because he had two hustle doubles the other night. I didn't see it. I didn't see it. I liked it. Is I he nice? Like, like Seattle fans are very upset about the manipulation of service time. I did not like that he got to wear custom spikes in his first game, and it was like a big deal. It was a headline on MLB.com. I would have got punched in the face if I tried to wear those spikes in my first game of the big league. But he's kind of a stud. Really good player. Um, yeah, the service time manipulation is always going to be a thing. Like, if did he get a, did he get a contract offer and turn it down? I think. Sure. I, th- Evan, I think he got. trying to do that, but Evan White's also got a contract offer. He's a career one forty six hitter, so there's that. So, but I think they I think they offered him. Was it last year they offered him a contract, like the the whole like young extension, sure. buy out your RBRs, and they declined it, and then they're like, screw you, go back to the minor leagues. It's like a majorly guaranteed deal or something. And they're like, no, never mind. Just kidding. You're not good enough. Go to, go back down there. Yeah. There was, it was like a big deal with the, uh, when does collective bargaining happen? Cause this is going to be this winter an issue, but like when we need it, we need to do like a lot of prep for that, for the pickle. Yeah. Well, I got one big topic to talk about the whole time I'm there. At 
the collective bargaining. You're going to go. Oh yeah. Yeah. I got you. Yeah. Something about metabolites and fake non-steroids. And I listen, I am fully prepared to pee in a cup as many days as I need me to. I will take the steroid. I think we need mass testing on this. This is crazy, but I think Kelnick. we need a little bit more reason and logic. And I think Kelnick's good. I, I think is he nice though? Like I saw, uh, so I think he swung his first pitch and like a kind of like a soft one hopper first. It was like a line drive, but it wasn't that hard. No, his first at bat, he got robbed in the by Josh. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he punched out on on some nasty. Uh, it was the night uh, Lisak was throwing a no hitter in the eighth. And then, uh, do you think he, when he throws, he like drags his shirt back? Do you, is that like a checkpoint? Super short arm action. I don't know, but he could not be more unlike his father, like Dan Plesak versus. That's they're related. Yeah. That's their, that's father son. Yeah. Didn't know that. Yeah. But I knew there's the same last name, but I didn't think they looked much like. You Kelnick for his first knock went bushes. And then he had two hustle doubles. He he ran really hard. It was like a ball, like the outfielders cut off in the gap. Second one was like a floater over the third baseman's head. He can run, man. He's a he can play. I mean, well, we'll find out if he can play. This is the funny thing. Um, I was talking to Matt Kemp about this the other day. That's a name drop right there. I'm gonna do it. I just did it. Whatever. Um, and I was like, man, like there was a time when like dudes would come up to the big leagues. And like everybody's like, yo, this dude's so good. And you'd be like, like, or what do you like, what do you think of this player? Like now everybody's like, yo, he's a stud. Like, as like little as 10 years ago, you would go like, like you'd ask a guy like Matt Kemp, what do you got on this dude? He'd be like, I'll let you know in 10 years. Like, I'll let you know in 10 years. We'll find out. Because like to be good, you gotta come with me over and over again, right? And I remember Batista saying that about Mookie. And I was like, dude, Matt's like, he's he's gonna be just fine. I was like, he's like, well, he's good. Has he done it for 10 years? Yeah, I was like, he's gonna. Don't worry. No, it's very different. And to their credit, on the business side of things, Major League Baseball has done a great job promoting prospects who so they don't have to pay as much. And there's there's obviously some guys that are really talented and deserve to be there, but guys do show up now with... Uh, custom spikes. With custom spikes and branding, and you get prospects on MLB.com instead of... MILB.com. Kelnick got a standing ovation every time he came up the bat in his first game. Like Mitch Hanniger is leading the league in homers. He ain't getting a standing ovation every time he comes up the bat. Did Mitch get a standing opening day when he got back from the injury? He might have. Got it. Anyway. They were excited. I think it says a lot about it says a lot about the fans. You gotta take it? No. I think it says a lot about the fans in Seattle. That they're that excited about him. That's good. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah, they have the the uh the, the white kid if he ever figures it out. And then Lewis, uh Hanniger's obviously gonna be there. They could be nice. They could be nice. Who knows? They started the season nice. Yeah. Let me check the standings. Twenty one and twenty. Right in the middle. Middle of the road. All right, next topic, very, very simple topic. Dominic on Twitter, I believe he's in Germany. We'll throw out stuff on. It's Dominic. He always does an April Fool's joke about me every year, and it's great. I love it. Um, he did a really simple breakdown about Juan Soto and Mike Trout 
and how Juan Soto doesn't have a lot of natural lift, especially at the bottom of the zone. And Mike Trout does. So average launch angle at the bottom of the zone for Soto is negative two. Average launch angle for Trout is seven degrees down the zone. Like super logical, easiest thing ever. Good job, Dom. Like, yes. And Patrick wrote in our show notes, do we need to be more careful about swing trends being declared universal? Yes. We, we absolutely do. I mean, Trout is like the notorious, like very, very sloped shoulders, very side tilted, golfing balls off his shoe tops. Very blah and, and yeah, but like vertical bat angle relative to his body. So like not vertical bat angle. Oh, well. Because like vertical bat angle, the way they teach it now, or the way some people teach it, like there was some clip of some Asian guy going like this, trying to like get perpendicular, uh, parallel to your body. Like, look, we want to, we want to do this. And I've heard people argue that if you swing with the vertical bat path, that you don't pop balls up because you hit line drive sideways yeah, <laughs> instead, of, instead of pop-ups and ground balls, you hit line drive sideways. <laughs> um, yes. Yeah, Soto swings flatter and Trout swings steeper. So therefore, ergo. Ergo. Here, two fourth. Soto should look up in the zone and Trout should look down in the zone. Yeah. So, or if you're going to cheat, know what you need to feel when you're cheating to a certain pitch. Like if Soto wants to go for a pitch down, like get your back shoulder down. If Trout so, wants to hit a ball up, stay flatter. You're talking about two guys who at very young ages became very aware of what made them good, right? Like Juan Soto knows what makes him good. Um, I, I don't think there's a whole bunch of holes there. Um, certainly he's not having as good a year as he's had in the past, but like that could all change. Yeah, but um, he was like a god last year. Yeah. I'm sure he'd be okay. And exactly, like, I, I still would argue that he's probably the, the best all-around hitter in the game um, and will be for time to come. His antics are getting more exaggerated. Yeah, well, I mean, that's what's going to happen if you don't get hit in the jaw at any point in time. Or the jaw's aggressive, like the ribs. Like His bat is 274, by the way. 30 points either way. Yeah, he was hitting, he was hitting uh, 261 as of the other day, which, whatever, it's 100 at bats, so it doesn't matter. Um, but yeah, he, he does damage on balls top of the zone. The homers he was hitting in the World Series off of the likes of Verlander, um, you know, Ryan Presley, Osuna, all those guys were trying to spin the heck out of it at the top of the zone and he was handling them, right? Like, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, he, I think he got coal too. He got coal on a heater, which is probably 100. So not surprising, like, he hits the ball at the top of the zone. Dominic, good observation. Uh, thank you for statistifying it, statisticizing it. I learned it with eyeballs. I love it. He did, he also did a very simple uh, WOBA since 2018. Trout at the bottom of the zone, WOBA 514, middle of the zone 490, up of the zone 279. Whoops. Like 514 WOBA is ridiculous. Uh, Soto, bottom of the zone 294, middle of the zone 473, up. 457 just completely different splits just they're different hitters they have different sweet spots they have different grooves in their swing that's why I might okay. three fastballs at the top of the zone to end the game one time and Juan Soto could probably strike out on three breaking balls down I'm still mad at Joey for his take on that yeah yeah Cunha 
Like you should never take three pitches. Like, oh, good for him for taking his taking a ball that he can't. They call it a strike. Game's over. You got to strikes. You're out. No rule. <laughs> the game's over. Yeah, no, no do over. Strike. Oh, that's something. That's something. Uh, one of my favorite things. Somebody had a feature request for our stuff to have a like a pause button and like a. I think there's a, a takeaway button. Um, but I love that there's consequences every single swing. Like yeah. there's feedback every swing because there's no reset button. There's no do over in real life. Nope. No do overs in baseball. And that's the worst part. I'll talk about that all the time. And BP. BP is too easy. You get a do over every time. You ain't got no do overs in the games. You got to earn your do overs. You got to follow some stuff off, right? Yeah. All right. That just came to my head. All right. Post show. Most underrated player. IYO, in your opinion. Usually it's IMO. IMO, Trey Turner. It's Nobody talks one. about him. Do they talk about him in DC? I don't know. It's a good one. I, I, I'm with you. I think, well, they're not good this year. So hits for power, hits for average, steals bases, plays shortstop. Like, what do y'all, what else do you want? He's really good. He's good. Yeah, he's good. But you know who the most underrated player in baseball is right now? You hyped it up. Let's hear it. Busta Posey. Go look at that line, dude. He's having a look at that line. 385, 1151. Eight pumps, not even playing every day because they bench him. For Is he a non-qualifier right now? Yes. Across the board, best numbers in the game. 89, 87 at-bats, eight pumps. 89 at-bats, eight pumps. Hitting sixth or seventh to start the year, and he was like, wait, do you guys forget how, who I am? But can you imagine, like, that guy like, – Three doubles, eight homers. That's that's sustainable. Um, Buster's one of my favorites. I love Buster. I told you you were going to like it. Yeah, 365, eight homers. Yeah, he's doing he's doing things right now. So he must have gone over four today because he was at 385. He's a non-qualifier. Yeah. He's only got uh, other guys on the list, I think Jordan Alvarez, just kind of a sleeper guy. He just kind of slid into that Astros lineup. People don't make a big deal about him. Power, average guy. You know uh, why? Because he only DHs, basically. I had a, I had one. I had, a, I had a hot take. I don't know if you're going to like it. Hawit Merrifield. What about it? Underrated. Uh, I feel like he's overrated. I think people hype him up too much. He's a good player. Posey's hitting 382, by the way. Well, baseball reference told me otherwise. Unless they're hit, unless they must have played a day game today. Uh, yeah, he just casually went three for four today with three stakes. Whit, Whit Merrifield currently hitting 262. He's uh, 56th in the league in war at the moment. He's a good player, though. Oh. He's, he gets a lot of hits. He's not a big yeah, power it a, guy. It was a weird take. You know, who, I have two really good takes. And they both almost – one of them won the MVP. The other one almost won the MVP. Jose Ramirez and Jose Abreu are just super under. So, Jose – I was tweeting about Jose Ramirez the other day, so I didn't I didn't want to double up on him. He's just – he's good. Like, he's a really good player. And nobody cares. Like, it seems like nobody just – he's just a little bowling ball, just hits rockets everywhere, plays yeah. all over the field. Yeah. I don't think – Patrick, Patrick going to hop in and give your most underrated? Let's go, producer Pat. Xander, Xander Bogas. 
now everybody's gonna think you have a Boston accent when you talk like that. Um, no, everybody, uh, everybody the Xander, talk about the, Xander, best, the best shortstops in the league, and Xander never gets mentioned, and he is he, definitely he, as good as anybody. He's been getting a lot of mentions in the feeds that I see lately. He's really good at baseball. But he's also like having a career year. And I remember I went to uh why? I went to Portland to see Chris play in double A when Chris was in double A, drove to Portland, got there a little bit late. I like walked in like right for Xander's at bat. First video I took, first pitch homer. I was like, this guy's pretty good. Like literally, like we sat down in the stadium, took my camera out. First clip I took, Homer. And I was like, this guy's a stud. When he got to the big leagues, he really was swinging down a lot, like noticeably. And he's got good size. He's, where is it? Xander is 6'2", 218 and short, right? So he's he's got leverage. He's got some lankiness to him. He's starting to elevate the ball in good ways. Let me check. Some of Starting it's since 2018. If you if you took his numbers since 2018, I haven't looked at it. I guarantee he's been better offensively than any other shortstop. I don't think it's just that he's having he's having a career year this year. He's I think he's 28. He's in his prime right now, so we should be having a career year. But year 28, <laughs> prime year. Uh, no, no, he's been he's been good. He's been very good. Um, if he keeps going at this pace, though could be one of the better like all-time years for a shortstop like a rod in his prime like young a rod type numbers and I, had to, I had to look up um no mars numbers just because i was i was getting i was like xander's xander's pretty good he's no nomar yeah no mars no mar did it for a lot longer than i thought he did but no more was no more was like my guy like i got no mars glove and i <laughs> like no mar was my favorite player you run with your elbows out too Another, uh, another. No, I never, uh, I never tried to copy his style. I just liked, I liked him as a player. His, I did try to do the backhand jump thing that he used to do. He did it so different than Jeter because Jeter would go up, and throw. Uh, Nomar would just kind of sling it sideways. He threw everything sidearm. That's why. Yeah. Honorable mention. Uh, my buddy texted me. He said, he "said honorable mention most underrated player in baseball, Jesus Aguilar for the Marlins." I'm with that too. Jesus is pretty solid. Nice he's just, been doing funny stuff too. He's just not not consistent enough for me. I think he he skipped a beat or two, but he hit. I always like Brian Anderson for them too. Brian Anderson's like a steady like 800 OPS guy, plays third base. I loved him in the minor league. The first time I saw him, I really liked him. Uh, that's I think that's my 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 underrated list. Chris Bryant could get on the list just because we're biased now. <laughs> Uh, I don't think I don't think a former MVP can ever be underrated. Yeah, he can because he's gonna win comeback player of the year this year. Well, you you did say Posey. Posey's also a former MVP. Posey is also a future Hall of Famer. We've had arguments about this before, but he definitely is gonna be in the Hall of Fame. Be comeback player of the year. Either one of them probably. Well, is Posey doing it for long enough? It's it's catcher catcher. He's been he was the best catcher in the game for five to seven years. That's that's long enough. And he won there, three there titles. Were conversations when I was in Toronto about Russell Martin going to the Hall of Fame. If he, Russell Martin? If he kept going. He, they, like, if you looked at that 2015 team, it, who had the best chance from that team? You had Posey, you had Edwin, Donaldson, Tulo. Like, Russell was, like, the one that was closest. And it's weird because it's the position. The, the, the catcher scale is so different. I'm going to have to look into this. 
just because offensively catchers suck. I'm going to have to look into this. Joe Mauer's in the World Series, uh, Hall of Famer, right? To me, yes. 100%. He played for face too much at the end of the career. My, my, as far, the, far, the farthest I'll go that most people like won't even consider is I, Brian McCann is like a borderline. Probably, probably, I probably won't go all the way, but for most people, like they, you, you say Brian McCann, they're like, absolutely not. I think he's like right there. He's close. Do you know how many 200 hit seasons Joe Mauer has? We talked, we've talked about this. He hit like 371 year. No so. 200 hit seasons. How about that? Hit third for the Minnesota Twins. Zero? Zero. Not even the year he hit 365. He had 191 hits. Did he walk too much? I didn't even walk that much. Why did he not hit? Only played 138 games. Catchers. It's different. <laughs> That's crazy. Still, still a career 306 hitter. That shift killed him. When they started sticking somebody on the, on the left field line, yeah. Just taking hits away. It was Four either and left field line crushed him. Just started bunting. It's crazy. There was a I saw a defensive highlights video on it was probably the Instagram Discover page. I don't even know where I saw it, but it was like a second baseman playing right field, jumping to make a play. <laughs> a guy up the middle, like just not where he's supposed to be. I hate I hate when a guy laces the ball up the middle, and it's just like the guy standing there. It just doesn't. I just it doesn't feel right. I don't like it. I mean, my eyes are trained now. Anything up the middle is an out in my head. <laughs> like, I don't. Like, I, I don't know where they are. It just it it, it will always throw me off. Like if a ball skips off the mound, that's it. And there's so many like double plays ball, uh, double play balls where the guy catches it, steps on the bag, and throws it. Yeah. Uh, do you guys, do you guys see the player, the lefty that caught the ball like behind his head? No, but yeah. I have another solid candidate for all underrated team. This is a good one. David Peralta. Yeah. Anybody good on the Diamondbacks could tell Marte, too. Yeah, Marte's good, man. Bobby hates him. Peralta, 290 career. I was hyping your fancy guy. I just said he peaked early. He got like 20 (laughs) hits in the first week of the year. Peralta's last seven years, 893, 726. Wasn't Peralta a pitcher and he, he became a position player? I think he was an indie ball as a pitcher, yeah, I think. He's like, no, nah, I'm going to hit. I'm going to go the opposite way of everybody else. Everybody can't hit, and they become a pitcher. It's crazy. Sure. He was in rookie ball in 06 and 07 as a pitcher. He, in, in the, he played for the Rio Grande Valley whatevers in the independent North American Baseball League. And he played for Wichita, the independent American Baseball League, and hit. A bunch, and then signed with the Diamondbacks. Then he decided he's going to be a, a 290 career hitter in the big leagues. Yeah, in 2006, he was one and one with a five ERA for Johnson City. Yeah, he's he's a very steady hitter. Got some pop. His 18 year was huge. Yep. 293 to 30. Yeah. Just if you look up, he's always hitting close to 300. He just like got one of those like lefty swings that just is there in the zone, good path. Yeah. It's like uh, who's the Anderson guy on the on the Angels growing up? What was his first Garrett, name? Garrett Anderson. Garrett Anderson. Garrett Anderson reminds me a lot of Michael Brantley, or vice versa. They get similar, similar like just low style, high effectiveness. Just doing it. Stones in the game, man. I need to do a swing. That's a really good swing comp, actually. That's a swing comp that nobody will care about. 
But Anderson, Anderson. <laughs> Let's get the two most boring lefties and compare them. Anderson had more activity with his hands. He would do like a little bit more back there. I bet Brantley's just like he like bounces it, and then he just goes slow, and then boom. We used to do this thing in college where we would all try to name like the most average big leaguers that are like that were like unmemorable. Like we would just like rattle them off, like from video games. We'd be like, oh, like uh, like David Eckstein. Like, just guys, like, that were just kind of there, like, for a long time, but were, like, pretty unexceptional. Pretty unexceptional? Jody Reed. I can play this game. Yeah. Chris has got to have somebody. Alex Gonzalez. My, all my go-to is Mike Greenwell all the time. Greenwell. He's a boss guy. Mine would just be all Braves guys. What's the, what's the Mike Gallego story? Uh... Donaldson was in the outfield stretching, and they were talking about how much he stunk at baseball or something. Uh, they were talking about how hard it was for Vladdy to hit 300 for as many straight years as he did. And yeah. Gallego walked by and he goes, You think that's hard? Try hitting 200 for 10 straight years and still having a job. <laughs> oh, it's funny because it's true. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. Garrett Anderson, career 293 hitter, 287 career homer, 17 year big league career. It's a good player. Just solid, just a steady uh, lowest batting average. His last year was 268, but he was old. Before that, 283, 280. He was between 315 and 280 his whole career. 321. Just steady, steady, steady. Bunch of doubles. I'm doing it. I got to find video of him. Well, that's a wrap, boys. That's it. It is. That's it. Pickle out.